0: Hello, welcome to the New River Church podcast. We're so pleased to have you join us today. We hope that today's message uplifts and inspires you. If you would like to learn some more about New River Church and what we're all about, just check us out at newriverchurch.org. Bible to John 15, this morning we're going to begin to work our way towards Covenant Sunday. So Covenant Sunday, if you're new with us, is uh, something we do every year. We've literally done it from our inception as a church. That last Sunday in January is what we call Covenant Sunday. It's uh, the day that we renew our commitment to love Jesus and to serve Jesus together for another year. We believe at New River Church, essentially, this is our membership process. We believe at New River Church that there's no such thing as an inactive member, that membership implies that we're working together. And so to stay active, we just renew that annually. So here's what you're going to want to do you're going to want to get a hold of our fellowship covenant and it's printed. We have it on our website. We also have uh, little bookmark versions of it that we keep on the welcome table. And I wanna encourage you to please get one, go to it on the web, read through it, look up the scriptures. Every part of it is from the scripture. And then then if you've got questions about it, let's talk about it, and let's do all that before the end of January. So you got a month. To, uh, to work on that, and, and I, I mean it. Please, let's take this um, seriously. You know, that, that, uh, that we want to, I believe with all my heart that God calls us together, and, and that that's really what church membership is, that God's calling you and me to be together, to love Jesus, to serve Jesus together. Like, we can do that apart, you do it on your own, but the beauty of church community is we do it together, right? I mean, so, so that's uh, what membership is. So we're praying, we wanna pray that uh, God leads you. I'm praying that God leads you in this month and that you get a sense of calling um, that God would say to you, hey, I want you to, to lock arms with that group of crazy people and be on mission and serve me this year and love me this year together with that group of people. So that's what we're working towards here in the month of January. And I would say that John 15 has become a rallying cry really for me. Um, Probably six, seven months ago, I don't know how long it's been now roughly, I've just been started to really think about this concept that Jesus said that he is the vine and we are his branches. And uh, then a few months back, I was talking to our friend Wendy Smith, who's one of our prayer partners here in Manchester, and she said, oh, I love this book, my favorite book, and she uh, gave me this book by Andrew Murray called The True Vine, and it's a classic. I mean, Andrew Murray's, Murray's you know, not even alive anymore. He's one of, those, one of those old guys, those classic writers, and um, been working through The True Vine, and wow. Um, I really am becoming more and more convinced that everything in the Christian life hinges upon this. Uh, I believe that the reason why we get discouraged as Christians, um, the reason why we sometimes feel like our our wheels are spinning spiritually and we're not gaining any traction, I think it's because we've missed the truth that Jesus has taught us in this simple illustration. He's the vine, we're the branches. And I believe that if we can truly get this, if we can really begin to own this, that it will make all the difference in our lives, that you'll become, I'll become, we'll become the mighty men and women of God that we've dreamed of becoming. I believe literally the Christian life does not make any sense apart from this word picture. So just imagine like, if you will, John. As we come into John 15, Jesus spoke these words on the last night of his life. We don't know, we don't know exactly when it took place, but sometime around the Last Supper, or after the Last Supper, or sometime in there, Jesus has his disciples with him. He has his men with him. And, he, and I can just picture Jesus saying, okay, guys, and you know in Jesus' heart, he knows that the time is here, that He he's the next day he's about to be crucified for the sins of the world. So Jesus knows that this is crunch time, and and he gathers his men together, and he's like, "Okay, men, you know I, I can just picture him like, don't forget this. Do not forget this, guys. I'm the vine. You're the branches. Everybody, repeat this after me. I'm the vine." you're the branches, right? That's how I, like if I was Jesus, that's probably how I would do it, right? Here's what Jesus says, John chapter 15. Jesus is speaking and he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. Wow. There's just so much in here. I remain in you. You remain in me. Hmm. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. That's a great word, isn't it, to finish 2023 and to walk into 2024 with, to hear Jesus's words. This is my command. Just Love each other. Jesus answers a few basic questions for us in this simple little illustration. The first question that Jesus answers for us is, how do I know if I'm a true disciple of Jesus? How do I know if, I'm, if what I got's the real deal? And the answer is, I'll bear fruit. That's what verse eight says. Look at verse eight. Jesus says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So I'm not making that up. The, the, the fruit of your life is the proof of your discipleship. Okay, well, that brings the next question up then. Well, what's, what's fruit? How do I know if I've got fruit or not? And the answer, it's not given in black and white per se, but we can certainly pick up a few key ideas just from what Jesus said in his words here. I mean, fruit looks like a couple of things. You could say that it looks like answered prayer. That's verses seven and eight. Jesus says, if you remain in me, my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, it'll be done for you. And this is to my father's glory that you bear a lot of fruit. So answered prayer, it looks like love. That's sprinkled all throughout here. Verse 10, verse 12, verse 13, verse 17. It looks like fullness of joy. That's verse 11, that your joy would be full. You'd have my joy. That's a fruit. I would think. Uh, it looks like understanding and embracing the master's business. That's uh, verse 15. Jesus said, you know, I, I don't call you my servants because the servant doesn't know his master's business. I call you my friends because I'm, I've told you everything that the father's told me. So you're an insider. Part of the fruit of being a disciple of Jesus is I know what the father's doing. I'm I'm keyed into his mission, his work in the world around me. Um, The last thing would be service to others. That's verse 13, that we lay down our lives in service for other people. So here's just a short list. I don't think it's the full list of fruit, but just some things you glean out of what Jesus said there, right? I think you can summarize it this way. Fruit looks like you looking like Jesus. That's what fruit is. And my prayer life looks like Jesus. My, my, my attitudes, they look like Jesus. My service, it looks like Jesus. My obedience to God, it looks like Jesus. It's, it's inconceivable, really, that someone would call themselves a Christian, and the only thing that changes about them is they go to church more often. Like you, it's impossible to hang out with Jesus for a period of time, seriously, and then remain the same. He rubs off on us. So this is fruit. How do I know if I'm a true disciple? Fruit. What's fruit? Look like Jesus. Third question, well, then how do I get this fruit? How do I bear this fruit? And Jesus says, says, the answer is you remain in me. That's what he said in verses four and five, didn't he? Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So Jesus answers the question, how do I bear fruit? Remain in me. Great, how do I do that? That comes to the fourth question. What does it mean to remain in Jesus? And Jesus says, well, this looks like the relationship between a grapevine and its branches. So let's think through this illustration that Jesus has given to us a grapevine and it's branches because Jesus says he's the vine and we're the branches, and this is what it looks like to remain in him. So this means a couple of things, doesn't it? I think number one, it means that the vine and the branch, if you think about it, are of the same nature. That's amazing. The vine and the branch are of the same nature. I mean, think about it, the branch is not a sheepskin. It's a great branch. And why is it a grape branch? Because it's part of the grape vine. The branch and the vine have the same nature. Am I saying what I think I'm saying? That I have the same nature as God himself? Well, the Bible says that. Second Peter chapter one, look at this verse. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. And that word knowledge is an intimate, it's experiential knowledge. It's not knowledge like you studied it in a book. It's knowledge like I've had this encounter, like I've run into him, right? So it's he's given me everything I need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him, through our encounter with him, that through them, meaning his promises, Through these promises he's made to us, you may participate, it says, in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Okay, this verse right here is so packed, that's a whole sermon just by itself. But do you see this? That you share in, child of God, if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, clinging to his promises, you actually share in, you participate in the divine nature. Right, he is your vine, you are his branch, you're made of the same stuff. Yeah, so look at your life for a second, just think through this. Look at your own life for a moment. Do you see the evidence of God on your life. Do you see the thumbprint of the Almighty, the divine nature on your life? I mean, I I get it. You look in the mirror and you probably see your faults and your shortcomings. Yep, we all do, absolutely. Just ignore those for a second. Look at the other stuff. Look at the thumbprint of God on your life, right? I look at my life, I can say, wow, 42 years of walking with Jesus. Just sounds crazy to even say that number, but that's how long it's been. 42 years of walking with Jesus. And while I am far from perfect, far from perfect, I could say that Jesus has rubbed off on me. He's made me more gracious. He's made me more humble. He's made me selfless. He's made me more kind, more generous, more patient. Like his nature, is literally my nature is becoming his nature. His nature is my nature. It's amazing. I was just thinking about that the other day and my wife has known me for 35 of those 42 years. So I guess if anybody could give you a testimony to how much Doug Rouse has changed, Karis could probably do it. She goes, oh yeah. We've grown up together, haven't we, sweetie? So do you see the thumbprint of the divine on your life? Like you partake in the divine nature. It's remarkable because you're the branch, he's the vine. The second thing that it means is that the branch is alive because the vine is alive. Like that makes sense, doesn't it? That if the vine is dead, the branch is also going to be dead, but our vine is alive. We celebrate that on Easter. So because the vine is alive, the branch is alive. Your ability to live a victorious and fruitful life, it depends on Jesus, not on you. The the branch gets the life from the vine. So you don't have to make stuff happen. It'll happen as you remain in him. That's a different message, isn't it? Religion tells you you've got to do more, try harder, work more. You know, you better Set your alarm and get up at 4 a.m. and pray for five hours if you want to be a real Christian. We do all this. We put all these heavy things on us, right? And Jesus goes, hey, you don't need to do that. Remain in me. His life flows through you as you hang out with him. Third, the branch is the vehicle through which the vine bears fruit. So any fruit in your life, it's not yours. It's his Isn't that something? So go back a couple of steps before where you look at the divine thumbprint on your life. That's not because you made that happen. That's the fruit. That's his work in your life, not your work on your own life. And Jesus says that as much in verse 8. He says the fruit of our lives. Look at verse 8. The fruit of your life, he says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. It's to my Father's glory. That's, in other words, a fruitless Christian brings no glory to God. A fruitful Christian brings a lot of glory to God because the fruit is not yours. People look at you and they go, there's no way that you could be like that. And you say, well, you're right. There's no way except for the work of God in my life. See, what's different about you? You had somebody say that to you lately? I get that sometimes. What is something different about you? Yeah, it's Jesus. What are you going to do? I know you can know him too. Number four, the branch has one job then, doesn't it? My one job as a branch on the vine is to stay connected. My job is not to bear fruit. My job is not to make stuff happen. My job is to, if I have a job, if you will, to stay connected to the vine. Because fruit bearing then is a byproduct of me staying connected to Jesus. I remain in him. Well, how do I remain in him? I remain in him by... um, obeying. And that's verse 10. That's number five. Look at verse 10. I think this needs some explanation. Jesus says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. Okay. At first glance, this is easy to misinterpret. So we need to be careful. Okay. Here's what Jesus is not telling you. Jesus is not telling you that you need to try harder to knuckle down and to get after it. He's not telling you that. And Jesus is not saying that, hey, if you obey, well, then I'll love you. He's not saying that. Hear me clearly. His love for you is unconditional. Ephesians chapter one, the word of God tells us clearly. Ephesians chapter one. God loved you before the creation of the world, okay? That means he loved you before you even existed, which means he loved you before you could do anything, you know, to be worthy of love, which means his love for you is not attached to what you do. It's unconditional. Here's another one. Romans chapter five says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, that he demonstrates his love by dying for his enemies. Okay, so you were an enemy of God, and he loved you when you were an enemy. I think it's safe to say that enemies don't typically obey, amen? And so he loves you unconditionally. His love for you is not connected to your obedience for him. Yet Jesus said these words, didn't he, in verse 10. He says, if you obey my commands, You will remain in my love. So what's he saying? Well, let's look at it this way. What kind of marriage would Karis and I have if every time she asked me to do something, I just dismissed it, ignored it, did nothing about it? Like every time. Not very good would it be. How about this? Let's just take it out of marriage. How about we're just friends? We're just two friends. What kind of friendship would we have if every time you reached out to me, I ignored you? I just ignored your texts, ignored your call. Like, I don't call back. You know, every time you ask, I'm I'm not available. I'm not around. Not a good friendship. Wouldn't you agree? So in other words, hmm, wait a second. Obedience, then, is a necessary ingredient to any healthy relationship. We just don't think of it as obedience because we love the person. Huh. So obedience is a part of love. It just doesn't feel like obedience because I love. Hmm. So one of the traits of genuine love is joyful obedience, isn't it? So Jesus is saying, if you obey me, you love me. Not prove that you love me by obeying, not I'm going to love you if you obey, but he's just saying this is a part of our relationship. It's a healthy relationship. Obedience is simple. Obedience is living life the way that God designed it to be lived. That's what it is. It's managing my finances God's way, which I'm so excited about the class that's coming in a couple of weeks because it'll teach us how to do that. Managing your finances God's way. It's raising kids God's way. It's, It's working for my employer God's way. It's loving others God's way. It's managing my physical appetites, food, drink, sex, et cetera, whatever those appetites are. It's managing those appetites God's way. And this all begins with a a basic question that only you can answer, that I can't answer for you. You have to answer this question, and here it is. Do you believe that God's will is the best thing that could happen in your life? Do you believe that God's will is the best thing that could happen in your life? If not, if not, then our conversation has ended. I mean, I would never want to impose some like rule on you or guilt you into submission. That's what religion does. That's hellish, no. But if your answer is yes, I do believe that God's will is the best thing that could ever happen in my life, then obedience comes pretty naturally. Maybe not perfectly, for sure, right? because we still have competing desires that wage war in our souls, and we got all that stuff. We got a battle going on. But in general, we believe God's will is best. We want God's will, we want what God wants, and so we obey. And obedience, motivated out of love, is how we know that we're remaining in Christ. I'm staying connected to Jesus. So the mark of a true disciple of Jesus is someone who bears fruit. And this happens because that person is staying connected to Jesus. And that happens because that person is delighting in the things that Jesus delights in and is doing them. I love how ordinary this is. I mean, think about this illustration that Jesus grabbed for us right out of our own lives, right? I'm the vine. You're the branches. So that makes us sticks, (laughs) right? I mean, you can't get any more ordinary than that. I'm a stick. That's the brilliance of Jesus, isn't it? He works through the ordinary. He works in the ordinary, and he reaches the ordinary. Isn't that the beauty of Jesus? Man, so simple, so simple but not easy for sure. Cause it requires dying to myself. It requires a choice. It requires me say, okay, Lord, I am gonna hitch my wagon to you. I'm gonna attach myself to you, Jesus. And I want your life to flow through me. And guess what? All the glory goes to you. None of it goes to me. So I think we can apply this a couple different ways. I got just two thoughts. First is this, just I'm thinking about this as a church and thinking about this as we move towards Covenant Sunday, the end of January, okay? So, so first thing is this, um, Jesus is the heart of who we are, New River Church. He is the absolute heart of who we are. That's why our very first E is to enjoy Jesus because everything, absolutely everything flows from that. Um, Jesus is the person whom we enjoy. We have found him to be delightful. We've become preoccupied with Jesus, like like he's he's the thing we talk about all the time. We've discovered that he's the most amazing person who ever, and we wanna imitate him in every way. We enjoy Jesus. I think this is why 40 days of prayer, why that's so important to us. We don't just do this because it's a nice thing to do, it's a Christian thing to do. No, I can't think of any better way to launch a new year than to spend the first 40 days seeking God's face in prayer. Why? Because he's so wonderful. It's, it's why we, we lock into Jesus through prayer. It's why we begin life group meetings with, with singing and worship. It's why, we, it's why worship and singing is such a, a, an important part of our Sunday morning celebrations because it's why, uh, it's why I invite you to join me. It's why I'm here on Sunday mornings at 5.30, 6 o'clock to pray. Why? Because Jesus is the best, and we've got to stay connected to him. He's the best thing we've got going. Oh, I'm convinced of that. I'm convinced that the reason why you're here is because you're seeking Jesus. That you don't come to New River Church because the preaching is so great or because the music is so over the top or the light show is so fantastic. Like, you don't come here for that. The, the best thing we have is Jesus. And Jesus is the one that everybody's looking for. I believe that he's the one that every heart is longing for, that every other longing, every, every urge that people have, they seek, they try to fill, that ultimately they're trying to fill their need for Jesus. And when people find Jesus, they find the real Jesus, they latch onto him and don't let go. He's the best thing we have to offer to the world around us. So that's the first thing I think for us is Jesus is the heart of who we are because he's the vine and we're the branches. And the second thing about that is that Jesus' heartbeat then moves all that we do. It's his life and his purposes that are flowing through us. And it's why the other three E's in our church basics are encouraging people, equipping disciple makers, engaging culture because those are the heartbeat of Jesus. Jesus' heartbeat is to restore every man, woman, and child on this planet back into a right relationship with God, that's his heartbeat. And Jesus does not send anybody, listen, I believe Jesus does not send anybody to hell, that people actually choose hell. The Bible's pretty clear that God's will is that none should perish. That's his will. He doesn't want any, he doesn't delight in anyone spending eternity in hell. He said, then why would anybody choose hell? I believe that people reject Jesus because they've either not ever heard of him or they've heard wrongly about him by someone who misrepresented him. There's a lot of screwy ideas about Jesus Christ, aren't there? And isn't it our job, people who have encountered Jesus, people who are attached to the vine, isn't it our job to then correct those misunderstandings about Jesus? And not by arguing. I don't think anybody gets argued into the kingdom, but by showing it to them that they see the delight and the love of Jesus in your eyes and mine, and they go, man, you know you know Jesus in a different way than I know Jesus. What's that? I want that, exactly, that that's our great privilege, that every person really wants and needs an encounter with God, and you and I have the privilege of bringing that to people. Wow, what an amazing honor we have. You know, in February, coming up here next month, or I guess technically two months from now, right? Pastor Rob, yeah, a month and a day from now in February. You know what I'm talking about. Pastor Robin and I are um, going to be beginning a new study in the Gospel of Luke. And uh, we're pretty uh, excited and eager to bring it to you because in Luke's Gospel, we get a picture of Jesus that is so amazing. Luke calls Jesus the friend of sinners, love that. Because if Jesus is a friend of sinners, then he's a friend of mine. Is he not? Is he not a friend of yours? Does that not make him a friend of yours too? And I, it, But it also means that I get to ask another question. If my savior is a friend of sinners, then what does that make me, right? Ought we also to be friends of sinners? And how will they know that Jesus is their friend unless I tell them, unless I show them, unless I befriend them? See, and and as God begins to bring us into contact with more and more people who are seeking friendship with Jesus, New River Church, how will they hear unless we make room for them? And that's our theme for 2024 Making room for one more, just one more. And and maybe and maybe what does that look like? Well, maybe it looks like some squishing in on a busy Sunday morning. This is this is a small crowd for us typically on nine o'clock, but squishing in so that there's room in a chair for somebody to sit. Maybe it looks like I make room by in the parking lot by parking down the street so that a guest can have a close spot. Maybe it looks like you asking your life group leader, hey, hey, can you teach me how to lead a life group? Because we need to start another life group to make room for more people. See? Maybe you could become a disciple maker, someone who actually invests in other people's lives, making room for one more. See, as branches on the vine, The heartbeat of Christ is also our heartbeat. Jesus makes room. We see this in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus makes room for anyone at his table. Anyone. We can do the same. We make room. Make room in our groups. Make room in our church. Like Always open to anyone. Especially those that don't fit in anywhere else. Do you not see the people around you who feel like they don't fit in anywhere? And here's what I believe the message that the church of Jesus Christ can bring to those folks, and I bring it to you, that this is not a place where you fit in. This is a place you belong. Amen. Belonging is way better than fitting in. Because to fit in, you have to change yourself to somehow fit in with that group. To belong says, hey, look, we got this empty chair and it's got your name on it. You can be part of us. Look, we're all weird too. Look at that. We're weird together. Yeah. We make room, you belong, make room. In Christ, there's room at the table for anybody. So I wanna close, there's just a couple of questions for us to think about, and worship team, you guys can come and get us our closing song here, but that's, there's a couple of questions. I want you to look at your own life for a moment. Do you see the fruit? Do you see the evidence that you're connected to the vine? not meant to guilt you into anything. I'm just asking honest observ- an honest you know, evaluation question. Um, is there fruit on your life, in your life? Evidence that the life of Jesus is flowing into your life. He's changing you. And what I find with this is this. It's easier to see it in my life over the last 10 years than it is to see it in the last week. So for fair to be fair, right? So would you just look at your life in the last 10 years? Do you see the fruit, the, the change? More gracious, kind, more like Christ? Making room for more folks, like more prayerful? A, a, a greater sense of the mission? that our Father has, His business, and He's called us to it, and I have purpose in my job and in my school, like, because I have His purpose, you know, because He shared that with me. Like, that's part of the fruit, isn't it? Did you see that in your life? If so, be encouraged. God bless you. If not, then maybe today's a day to repent of a few things. Today's a day to... Say, Jesus, I want to get connected to you. You're the vine, I'm the branch. I can't do this apart from you, Jesus. I need your life to flow through me. And you know, some of you might say, well, hey, I'm not like rebellious and, uh, you know, doing all kinds of bad things. And no, but listen. Um, you only need to be disconnected from the vine like that much to miss the flow of his life into your life. And I'm convinced a lot of church people are disconnected from Jesus. but They don't see it because you see how you're, you do all these good things, but you're actually missing the life that Jesus wants to bring into you and through you. That only comes through an intimate connection. See, so the devil's goal in your life is not to make you, you know, super bad and rebellious and all that kind of thing. Start a gang? Like, that's not his goal. His gang is just to. His goal is just to get you just, just a little bit apart from Jesus, depending on your own strength, depending on your own goodness, depending on your own righteousness. You know, all that. That's his goal. And if he does that then he can rob you of the full benefit of the life of Christ flowing from him into you. So this morning, I'm asking you, get reattached to Jesus. He's the vine, I'm the branch. Make that your confession. And maybe this morning you're here and you're like, you know what, I I don't even know what all this is it's my first day, or I don't know Jesus, I don't know this, then I want to invite you today. Hear this, Jesus loves you. But your sin, your sin has broken the relationship between you and Jesus, but Jesus has died to extend forgiveness to you. He's proven to you that he wants to forgive you of your sin and to make you right. And now all you need to do is to confess your sin, to say, Jesus, I believe in you as my savior. I place my trust in you as my savior. And you can begin a walk with him. Thanks for listening. That wraps up today's Word. We are grateful you joined in, and if you would like to hear more or learn more about us, feel free to check things out over at newriverchurch.org.